Welcome to the Church of Philadelphia podcast. Get ready for this message to ignite your faith as the power and love of God is shared through his word. Amen. Amen. Let's get into the word of God. I'm going to read one, this one scripture, uh, even though we'll be going down to verse 10 and also verse 17 and 18. uh, But I want to get into the word. Amen. Amen. So Acts chapter nine, verse one. Amen. It said, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. Amen. So we know this is a well-known, uh, uh, you know, passage of scripture where this is pretty much the, the, the transformation and the conversion of who would write the rest of the New Testament. The two thirds of the New Testament was written by this guy, by this man of God. But he didn't start out that way. He started out as a murderer. He started out as someone who was very aggressive against the church, someone who was breathing out threatenings against the church. He started out going a different way. Amen. And sometimes, you know, when we begin to look at ourselves, because when you look at Paul or Saul at this particular point in time, you can begin to see that he was a well-educated man. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, as he began to reveal later on, meaning he knew the law backwards and forwards. He was well known for being very zealous for those things that concern God. But he did not look at the Christian faith as something that, you know, really God was behind or that he, you know, agreed with. Amen. So he was trying to stomp out this disease, trying to stomp out this movement that was coming against coming against the Jewish faith during that time. Amen. So you're looking at a man who is fed up. Right. He's kind of fed up with all of this, you know, chaos going on. Nobody's really stepping up and really trying to do and do what it takes to be able to put these people in their place so they don't try to come against and they're blaspheming our God. They're blaspheming Jehovah. You know, let's let's put these people in their place. He was the one that's saying, hey. I'll step up and I'm going to be just as aggressive as I need to be. Whether it's a man, woman, a child, I'm coming after him. Amen. You know, and sometimes when we're walking with God, we begin to get fed up. Right. We get fed up with the church. Right. You know, we get fed up with the things in the church. We get fed up with the ways of the church. I want to kind of peel back some of the things that sometimes we hold back because what we're talking about this morning is the road to recovery, the road to recovery. And some of us don't know that we're in the place that we still need to recover. Though God is blessing, though God is increasing, though God is doing great things in our life with sometimes with our resources and the things that he's doing in our homes and even with our families, there's some things on the inside of us that God has said, no, but I still need that because there's a bitterness that's still there. There is a, you, you fed up about certain things. I don't have you totally. And because I don't have recording you in progress, you have a certain type of a, a, a attitude towards my things. You have a certain type of attitude towards my people. And this is where we see this agreement where sometimes we've had this attitude towards the people of God. Amen. Well, we're breathing out threatenings. Right. You know, uh, they're the same thing as me. You know, we, we do the same thing. They didn't, they're not doing anything more than I'm doing. You know, we, we, we say different things to come against the church. 
in, in the privacy of our own home, in the privacy of our own heads. And, and sometimes because those things, those, those things that are going through our head, there's an aggressiveness against the things that God actually wants to do with us on the inside of us and through us and, and concerning the body that we are attached to. Amen. We have conflict conflict about certain things right and, and, and because of that conflict sometimes in the heat of our anger in the heat of our passion when maybe we doesn't we don't understand something we don't like something or we don't like the way the decisions that are being made or we don't like the way things are going we begin to say things right we begin to threaten things right we begin to become very uh, uh, aggressive with our speech even against the church amen and, and instead of really digging in and saying, okay, God, how can we fix some things, right? You know, Paul didn't come with a mindset, well, Saul didn't come with a mindset to say, you know what, let me try to learn what are they really talking about? Meaning he didn't come open to say, you know what, maybe, maybe this was the Messiah. Maybe, maybe Jesus was the Messiah and maybe I need to inspect this a little further. He already came knowing what he knew and he was already made. He already made a decision that, hey, this is wrong. And what I'm going to do, and I'm going to stomp it out. Amen. But he was wrong. He was wrong. And because he was wrong, uh, he began to approach it the wrong way. And sometimes we approach things the wrong way. When we see things that are out of order or see things that are not right or see things that we don't agree with, even though it may not be necessarily out of order or not right, we begin to take a stance of attacking it or trying to destroy it instead of trying to say, you know what? What is this? And when, and when I say this, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about in the respect of sin. That's not what I'm talking about. Amen. What I'm talking about is in the confines of the church, in the confines of what we're doing here together. What, what, we, how we, how we, God has called us together to be the disciples of Christ, to walk together. Sometimes instead of helping one another, we breathe out threatenings against each other. Yes, we do. It may not be out loud all the time, but there's some people you just don't like. You know, some people you'd rather not work with, right? There's some people you'd rather not be around. Some people you'd rather not talk to. We have our preferences, and instead of us trying to come outside of ourselves to try to, you know, really begin to bring health to the church, we stay in that place where we still need recovery. We still need recovery. We still need recovery because on the inside, in our minds, I'm doing what's right. Uh, in our minds, I love everybody, but I don't do everybody. <laughs> On the inside, I don't have a problem with them, even though I just don't like them. Which, which one is it? You, yes, you do have a problem with them. You just don't like them. That's the problem you have with them. It's okay. Let's deal with that. How can, how can we say we love the brethren, love each other, and, and really have all these things sometimes in our heart to where we're not really, you know, committed to what God has called us to do? Amen. So sometimes we have become enemies of the church, enemies of those that God has called us to be able to do work with. We don't like them. We become enemies and we begin to judge and we begin to breathe out threatenings against them. Amen. And this was a prime time in Paul's life and Saul's life to where he needed to have an encounter with God because he really thought he was right because of the amount of information that he had, what he had learned what he had been exposed to, gave him validation for his actions. So sometimes because we believe, because what we know, 
what we think we know and how we think we know it, we begin to take a stance against things without truly understanding or truly seeing ourselves. Amen. And we begin to breathe out threatenings, not sometimes even just not just against the church. Sometimes this has been in our own marriages, in our own relationships, on our job. We begin to breathe out threatenings against these particular things that God has sometimes called us to that, that challenges us to have to come outside of our own understanding. Amen. So, you know, uh, we begin to murder people with our mouths. We begin to say things in our hearts. We begin to say lies that we really don't mean. You know, we really don't. We, we say things that we really don't mean. We begin to lie and say we love people that we really don't love, you know. And because of that, we begin to we really begin to stand in opposition to that which God is trying to do on the inside of us, on the inside of us. Amen. So in verse two, and it says, and desired of him to uh, of him letters to the masses, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way of, of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So this is where he says, look, give me authority to come against this movement. And, and, and as he got the authority to come against this movement, this is where sometimes we begin to go somewhere else and get the authority. And, then, you know, I, I begin to talk about this even on the Brotherhood call, uh, the men's meeting on Thursday night. It's something that's just been in my heart. As, some, as we're in this age where there's so many churches and you can get a word literally all day, seven days a week, you can turn on and get a word, Right. And, 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 and this is a great thing for the church. It's a great thing. But sometimes, because we have not been taught how to really sift through what's being said, not saying that we don't know what's true and what's not. Sometimes we don't, right? You know, we may take the word of somebody but not really search the scriptures to see if that thing is really true, right? You know, but sometimes what we do is we begin to listen to what's going on in another house and we use that as authority to say that my house that God has called me to is doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and we use that, that, that level of what I know now, what I've learned now, what this person is saying is right now, instead of saying, you know what, what has God called me to do here in the midst of where I am in the body that I'm a part of? And, and, and because everybody is different meaning every church body is different. And what God is speaking in every church body is different for that particular church body. Not all words are global words. Amen. So meaning if I don't know how to sift out what's being taught, what's being preached to know how it fits within the body that I'm a part of, sometimes, and I'm telling you this from what I know from one thing from experience, because, uh, you know, I'm a teacher, so I like listening to the word, right? <laughs> you know, I listen to the word. I've been listening to the word since I got saved. Many different type of teachers. They don't have to be excited. They don't have to be a, diff a certain color. They don't even have to be well known. I don't, you know, if you're teaching the truth, I, I like being sharpened, right? I like being sharpened to go deeper into the word. And that's a great thing. But when God has called you to a place to be able to, push something forward in that particular place in that particular place you have to be careful that you don't become the sheep to two shepherds mm -hmm. 
Because when we become the sheep to two shepherds, we can begin to have different feelings about one of the shepherds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, and, and because we begin to listen to when we'll say and we'll start to compare what is going on in one house and what's going on in this house. And then we don't look at ourselves to be able to say, you know what? Am I really doing what I need to do to push this house forward? Do I really know what the real vision is? Am I bought into that vision? What, am I really giving myself to what God has called me to do here? Do I believe? Or do I believe what's going on in another house because I'm not there? I don't even really totally know what their vision is. I just like the preacher. And it's fine to like the preacher. It's fine to listen to the word, but know how to sift out and know that everything that's revealed in one house, it may not be the timing for another house. Amen. So you can't go and listen to people without actually putting things into context. There are things that God will build up your spirit to do and that he will begin to feed you. Not saying that God does not use other people to feed us in the body of Christ because he does. But we have to make sure that it doesn't begin to spring feelings of opposition against that where God has already called you. Because then we're crossing over line. We're not taking the word in meekness. We're not letting the word engrafted word be engrafted in us in a spirit of meekness. Now what we know, we begin to use that as authority to come and attack. To have a, a authority to, to say certain things that we don't have the authority to say. To try to not fix things but just point things out. And not actually try to be a part of the solution but just keep on pointing at the problem. Because we really don't want to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. So it, it was his desire. It was his desire to go and stomp out this particular movement. And this is why God is saying, look, I, you know, I need you to recover because you didn't used to be in this place where you were not excited about me as much. For some of us, if we tell the truth, we're more excited about the blessing than we are the blesser. We're excited about the increase more than the one that gives us the increase. Right? We're excited about the stability in our lives. We're excited about God doing great things. We're excited about the camel more than we are the one that made the camel. Mm-hmm. Because when the last time God got a good, real good praise out of you before the camel came, When's the last time God got a real good, you know, we have to, I want to show us, us, the condition of our heart, that some things have to be recovered. We have to be, we need an account. There has to be a different hunger, a deeper yearning for him, a more of a hunger and a thirsting for him. So we can begin, because out of all of this that Paul was doing, that Saul was doing, what God saw in him was, you are hungry for me. You're hungry. But you're just going about it the wrong way. See, some of us, yeah, you are hungry, but you're going about it the wrong way, and the enemy is twisting your hunger. <laughs> okay. So, so we have to be careful. 
We have to be careful where we are. We have to be careful with what God is trying to do with us, in us, for us. It is imperative that we position ourselves for this encounter. But see, the thing is, you're already on the road to it. I am too. With all the stuff, and, and even if I, you know, the wrong decisions and everything, look, I'm out here. You're already on the road. I'm on the road too to recovery. I'm on the road to this encounter. I'm on the road to true change. I'm on the road to experience God in a way that I never have before. That's what I'm on the road to. That's what you should say about yourself. Amen. Come on, give me verse three. In verse three, he begins to say, and, and as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, right? And Damascus means silent is the sackcloth weaver. Silent is the sackcloth weaver. He was on this road because we know sackcloth is used for mourning and repentance. He was on this road. It was the making of him turning a different way. See, that unrest that you feel, because see, if we really be honest, behind all the blessings, there's still some unrest. (laughs) There's still some things that, you know, that causes us to mourn. There's still some things that we really need change that uh, uh, money can't answer. A promotion can't answer. You know what I'm saying? A better job can't answer. A new house, a new car, it can't answer this stuff. And that there's still some things that we need that only God can begin to do. But you're already on that road. If you're angry about certain things, you're upset about certain things, you're aggressive about this thing that God has called you to do, You're already on the road. You're on the road. But it's a road of change that you're in. And with some of us, because we fight change, this is why this word is coming this morning. So we can begin to position ourselves to get ready for the change so we don't fight it off. Amen? Then suddenly they're shown round about him. What? A light from heaven. This was Paul's encounter, Saul's encounter during this time. Jesus stepped on the scene, right? And when Jesus stepped on the scene, he began to, he shut everything down. He interrupted everything. Come on, give me a definition for encounter here. So to meet as an adversary, to engage in conflict with. See, this is where God got some of us. Yeah, we have become enemies to his purpose while he's blessing us. That's what makes him good. (laughs) We've become enemies because we don't even know. With some of us, we're we're, we're more concerned about the blessings in our life than the actual purpose of why God is blessing us. So we've become enemies to him in some areas. We're in opposition to the purpose of God for our own lives. Some of us know you've been called higher, know you've been called deeper, but we'd rather go after those things that make us more comfortable than really go after the call of God and do what it takes to go, to go after that. We're an enemy to that. We put it on hold. I don't need that. I can do that later. Let me get my finances straight. I got to do this job. I got these kids. I got this marriage. I got this boyfriend. I got this girlfriend. 
I got this, I got that going on, but you're still called. You're still called. And God, out of his goodness and because he's faithful to his word, even when we are faithless, he's going to keep on doing what he said. But let me encourage you and open up your eyes to something. There's a time period to where what he gives, he begins to weigh out what it has done to our hearts. When he begins to say, okay, have my goodness caused you to come to repentance or has it caused you to stray away from me? Now am I an enemy to you? The only time we friends is when I bless you? Come on now. <coughs> because some of our understanding of what God has called us to do, we have too much control over it. We're the ones choosing when we do it, when we're not going to do it, how we're going to do it, who we're going to do it with. We're adversary to his purpose. Saul didn't get a chance to choose, as we're going to see later on. So to, to meet as an adversary or enemy, to engage in conflict, to come upon face-to-face, -to, -face, to come upon experience uh, uh, or experience especially something unexpectedly, to encounter difficulties, to meet especially by chance. So look at this. He said, look, it, it is when we come face-to-face -face with God. This is, encounter means he's going to, going to really just, you know, get in our face and say, you know, look, yeah, I'm good and I'm patient, but you know what I called you to do. You know you're going the wrong way. And just because I'm not stripping everything out of your life doesn't mean that I'm in agreement with everything that you do think or feel. See, sometimes we can think, well, God is blessing and God is doing this. God is just being God. What are we going to be? And this is the most, this is the, my favorite part of the definition. A meeting between hostile factions or persons. A sudden, often violent clash. That's what we're on the road to. A violent clash. Oh, but it's going to be a blessing. But it's going to tear up everything on the inside of us. All the resistance, all that, that undercover hatred, all that bitterness, all that judgment, all that, you know, it's, it's, going, to, it's going to humble us to a place that we've never been humble before. It's going to strip some things from us. It's going to strip that control from us. It's a violent thing when we're talking about encounter. See, some of, you know, we've been encountering the manifestation of God's word, and it's been wonderful. <coughs> but if we even be honest about that, when God increases, your schedule increases. Your responsibilities increase. Things, things get more difficult to manage at times because it's more to actually manage. So we begin to put things on the back burner to make sure we can manage that which we feel like is important at the time. 
and, and, and but we not really sought God to say, you know what, God, what is it that you would have me to do? Because God increases us not so we can take more things off of our plate it's so that we can be the great people that he's called us to be that are fulfilling his will in the earth. Are you fulfilling his will? God has called you to be a prophet. Are you are you looking for that? Are you are you going after that? God has called you to preach. God has called you to just be saved. Maybe God, you know God has called you to be saved, but you're running. Oh, yes, from the young people to the old people, you're running right to him. That's what I'm, I'm excited about this word because, see, the, the thing is, when he was on this road, he thought he was going in the right direction. And some of us, we think we're going in the right direction, but he's going to interrupt us with a violent clash of our ideals of what we think is right, what we feel like is right, and his ideals of what he knows is right. Amen? He didn't care nothing about what Paul knew. He didn't care anything that Paul knew the law. He knew Paul was going the wrong way in his heart, even with good intentions. See, and this is what's difficult for us because when we have good intentions, we feel like, well, God, you know, I'm just trying to do what's right. But the thing is, we don't know what's right. I don't know what's right. I don't know what right feels like. Right doesn't feel right to me. When, when God is saying some things are right, it don't feel right. I know I can get a witness there. It don't feel right to apologize when you feel like you've done nothing wrong. It don't feel right to try to keep on helping someone who feels like, you know, hey, they don't really want your help. It doesn't feel right to keep on reaching out to people when you feel like that nobody reaching out to you. It don't feel right. It don't feel right to forgive when you don't want to forgive. That don't feel right. Or when you don't trust the person not to do it again. It, it doesn't feel right. So there's a whole lot of things that God says is right that doesn't feel right. There's a whole lot of things that God says is right for me to serve, to be a servant, to be the one that, 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 that humbles myself that does the work even when I don't feel like it. It don't always feel right. Amen? Amen. Come on, give me verse 4. I don't want to hold y'all. Amen. So, and, and he fell to the earth. When this light shone, this was Jesus. Now he's running into the truth. He thought he was doing the truth, but now he's going to run into the truth. And that's what some of us are going to do. We think sometimes we're doing what's right and we're doing what is true in God's eyesight. But there's things that we don't understand. And God wants to bring us out of that place to feel like just because you know and you heard this word, you heard that word, you know this scripture, you know that scripture, you know that scripture. You read the word that you really know what you're doing. Because we're talking about, you know, we're not talking about, when we're talking about a Pharisee, we're talking about somebody who knows it back and forward. And for him to say he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, meaning he was better than most Pharisees. 
you, you know, this this is something where, you know, he may he may be able to just quote a whole book to you, not not a chapter, not a verse, a book. <laughs> where he can go chapter to chapter, verse to verse, and know what it what the whole book says, because he gave himself to that type of study. For some of us, we're picking up knowledge as we go, and we've read stuff, and God has revealed stuff to us, and we have been satisfied with the amount of knowledge that God has given us. But God is not satisfied. Because there's things about him we don't know. I want to remind you there's so much more to learn. There's so much more to know. What happened to your passion? To know him. Is it the deceitfulness of riches? Is it, is it, is it all the responsibilities now? Because for some of us, we was more hungry when we was broke. When we had less kids and no relationship. And we talking about, I'm talking about a personal walk. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about just church stuff. I'm talking about the personal walk where you are hungry for him, where your heart is soft towards him. What happened? Don't be seduced. Come on. <coughs> excuse me, y'all. I get <coughs> woke up with all this stuff going on this morning, so excuse me for me clearing my throat so much. And he fell to the earth. So first thing he did was in this encounter, this encounter was so violent that it, it, it pushed him to the earth. It knocked him off of whatever he was riding. He fell to the earth. And he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, look, why are you, why are you going after me with this hostile attitude? And this is how you know it was a hostile encounter because he, this word persecutest thou me, what he's saying is Paul is being very hostile how he's coming after God. And for some of us, we're trying to be hostile with God. Well, God, if you don't do this, then I'm not doing that. You're trying to hold, God's hot, go hold God hostage? Hold your obedience hostage to, you know, God, you know, you need to pay me a ransom to do this. Well, I need to wait to see what they're going to do before I do something. What? Who are you submitting to? People or God? Who's in control? Us or the Lord? We're the ones in control a lot of times. And because God is so gracious and patient and long-suffering, we begin to think that he's okay with some things. But I'm trying to tell you this morning that you're going to have an encounter. We are going to have an encounter with him where we're going to realize that something he's just not okay with. And we're going to have to make drastic changes in order for our lives to really come in line with him. Because some of us, our lives are out of line. It's not in line with him, with the blessings, with the increase, with what God is doing. He's being God. Where's our heart at? He fell to the earth. We got to come to that place where we begin to humble ourselves again. Truly. Not the false humility where I only give what I want to give. 
No, the, the real humility when I give when I don't want to give. I submit when I don't want to submit. I submit when my flesh is fiery mad about submitting. That is, we're we talking about that type of humility, that type of submission. When I don't, when, I, when, I, when my choices run out, when I'm not putting God on the back burner, I'm not making, making God wait till I make up my mind. We heard a voice. So Saul, Saul, why persecute him? Why are you coming after me so hostile in this hostile manner? Why are you doing that? Because you don't understand who I am. You think you know me. You don't know me. You think you got me figured out. You don't have me figured out. I don't care how many preachers we listen to. I don't care how many prophetic words we've gotten. I don't care how much scripture you think you know, there's still so much more to know about God. And that's wonderful. But with that knowing, it's not just a knowing of knowledge, it's a knowing that's going to take us to a place of humility to be able to receive it. Because some of us, we just want to know more. Know more so I can feel smarter. But the knowledge is not doing nothing to my heart. What is the knowledge doing to your heart? What is the truth doing to your heart? <coughs> I said, why are you coming after me in this hostile manner? Why are you persecuting me? Some of us, why are you persecuting Christ? Do you think it's about his people? You're persecuting him. <laughs> you think it's about his church, but it's really him. See, he was going to lock up his people. He was going to persecute his people. But Christ said, no, it's really, you're doing this to me. Because this is, this is the famous line. I ain't got a problem with God, it's just his people. No, you have a problem with God. If you have a problem with his people, you have a problem with God. Because he doesn't separate himself from his people because we can look in our own lives and see that. So if I have a problem with his people, I got a problem with him. And we can see that in our lives that when I do have a problem with his people, it is difficult for me to really have a close relationship with him. So he said, why are you persecuting me? See, this is to strip everything away. Strip everything that you feel like people have done to you away. Feel like people don't do. They say this. They say that. All the, all the validations. Come down, when it come down to it, let's just strip all of that away. What, is, what are our problems with God? What are, what are your problems? But behind all the blessings. Because trust me, I'm ready to receive them. I probably got one of the big, if I showed you my list, I probably got one of the biggest lists in, 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 the, in the church. <laughs> and all of it ain't just, you know, I'm believing God for souls too. So that's on my list. But it's big. But I have to look at, am I putting in the work? Am I prepared? You know, <laughs> this last Bible study I talked about, hey, I want me a yacht. I don't want just a regular yacht. I want, I want a yacht with the basketball court in it. <laughs> I want a 
four or five bedrooms with four or five full baths with a banquet area, with a dance area. And like, I want a ship. <laughs> you can't even call it a yacht. Will I ever have that? I got a feeling I might not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just depends where my heart gets to, right? But I'm going to put it out there and let the Lord decide, right? I'm going to let him, hey, yeah, look, this is my desire, but you decide. Amen? So, you know, I got some big dreams. And there's nothing wrong with having big dreams. But where's my heart, though? If I get caught up in my dreams, if I get caught up in what I feel like is right, then what, where's my heart going to be? Because blessings and knowledge can tend to puff you up. I know nobody want to talk about it. Because when you feel like you're in a better place and you feel like things are doing better, we begin to let pride seep in. We don't listen as much. We don't give as much. We're not as on fire. And we don't see it, that, that, that the fire is dwindling. It's two, it's two ways. Either abundance of suffering or an abundance of blessing can push us into places of pride. <clears throat> he said, what? Why are you persecuting me? Give me verse 5. Say, and he said, who art thou, Lord? He said, who, who are you? Lord? Like, I thought I knew you. See, this is what's so exciting to me about this, this passage of Scripture. Because this, this right here is where we're about to be. Some of us are going to be like, God, I thought I knew you. We're going to be like, God, I thought, I thought. And it's going to be such a wonderful place, but oh, it's going to wreck everything that we know. It's going to wreck everything. It's going to wreck the direction we feel like we're going in. God, I thought I knew you. With everything that I've heard, I thought I knew you. I thought I knew enough about you to make the decisions that I'm making. He's like, no, let me interrupt everything. Let me, let me change everything. Let me challenge all of it. The direction you're going in, let me just, let me just change that. And it may not be like, oh, it's a different career and it's different this and different. I'm talking about it could just be the direction we're going in in our spiritual walk to the Lord. Because this was Paul's dedication to make sure that the faith that they, be, that they believed in, the, Judea, the, Jew, the Jewish faith was being protected. <clears throat> he wasn't just going to sit back and just let something else come in without no kind of resistance. He wasn't, he wasn't that type of guy. But the resistance he came up against was greater than him. See, some places where you're resisting God, God is about to break that resistance. Because, see, he's been speaking to it for a long time. And some of us, we just, mm, okay. And we, we push his people off. He sent his servants. We, we even listen to all them other words, too. And all them words, God keep on sending people to say some of the same stuff. And we're like, oh, I'm going to do that one day. But the day is coming soon. You're not going to have, the time is up. The encounter is going to be so violent. You're not going to have a choice. See, right now you feel like you got a choice. 
And the choice that we're choosing is to put some things on hold. <coughs> and we do it day by day. I'll pray tomorrow. I get into my work. I call them later. Well, I don't know what to say to them, so I just don't want to just be calling. Just call and get some instruction. Just call. Just, 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 just start breaking your pride now. It may make it less painful. But either way, it's about to happen. Now, we don't know how it's going to happen. Because in, in, in this particular situation, Paul is saying, like, who art thou, Lord? Lord, the Lord and, the, and the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. You, you, you're coming against me. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. What do you say? It's hard for you to keep on kicking against this point, this stinger. Pretty much, it's almost like the picture of somebody kicking a, a, a whole a hive of bees, a wasp. That's what he was doing. And what the Lord began to show me, he said, look, even the resistance that, that, that you're having, it's painful to you, but you keep on doing it. <laughs> you know it don't feel good in your spirit. You know it don't feel good, you, you, but you feel like you have time. You keep on doing it because you feel like you've got enough validation that you're going the right way, that you have time, that, you're not, that you don't have to make these changes right now. But it's actually causing you pain. He's saying, look, Paul, I see what's going on with you. This is actually causing you more pain than what you realize. You're pretty much kicking against a whole hive of bees. Wasp. You, you're just continuously stinging yourself, poisoning yourself. Amen? Why? Why? And he said, and trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? So look at this. This is the thing. Even when we talk about, even in verse 5, you don't have to go back. But when Christ said, why? This is the question that some of us need to answer. Why? Why, 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 why is there any resistance? Why? Why is there a anger? Why is there a pride? And if you know why, why are you not doing that much about it? Because what we do about it is to lightly take care of it. But it's something that God is saying, look, well, I'm going to come and help you. Right? So, and he trembling and astonished, astonished said, Lord, what would, y'all have, what would thou have me to do? See, this is what God said. I want, I want, it, I want you to come back to the place where you teach teachable. Some of us, we're not teachable anymore because we know too much. And some of us that know a lot, surprisingly, will still take counsel. That's what's mind-blowing to me. When I see what some people know, and they still want to reach out and get guidance, and then I see what other people know, and I'm like, how, how this person still want guidance, and the person that I know need a whole lot of guidance, won't reach out? How? It is because the more you know, the more you understand you don't know. The more you know about Scripture, the Scripture really should humble you to know that you never really fully know the full picture of things. 
that part of knowing is to know the people that God has put around you. Yeah, I know. We want to know God without people. It's not designed that way. When God has put you in the midst of a people, he is trying to reveal himself in those people to you. So he said, what you, what you want me to do? He abandoned all of his plans and said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? For some of us, we in the place where I ain't doing that. I'm not doing that no more. Don't ask me to do that. That's a bold place to be and still expect to be blessed. <laughs> so I, I, so I know this, this makes some of us mad. Right, because we don't want to look at what we need recovery from is the love of blessings. <laughs> we don't love him like that, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, we want to say we love him, but then we don't obey him. That way that love, his love communication, his love language is obedience. God's love language is obedience. It's not acts of service. It's not, <laughs> it's not <clears throat> you know, touch. It's not gifts. It's, no, it's, if, if all of that is something he's telling you to do, then amen. But outside of that, it's just obedience. Obedience. And obedience takes me submitting myself. But God is about to reveal and you're about to encounter him in such a way, you're going to know I've been going the wrong way. See, the conviction going to be so heavy. The conviction we fought off so long on certain things going to be so heavy, you're going to realize, you know what, I've been messing up for years. I'm the one that's wrong. See, this is what's difficult for some of us. If you know that you're the person that you have a difficulty saying, I am wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. If you want other people to be wrong more than you, then you, you know that you're in a place where it's not safe. So, and look, and he said, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said, arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So God begins to deal with even the trust now. Because now, the, you know, he has to deal with all of these things. Will you trust me that you take one step? I'm not going to tell you everything. What you want me to do? I'm not even going to tell you right now. Just go take this step and go to the city. And it will be told to you. Why did he do this to Paul, to Saul? He's already starting to break down his pride. Look at this now. Why did he say it will be told to you? He didn't say who was going to tell him. Because even in the midst of an encounter... We can become prideful about the revelation of God. But see, God knows how to pull us into a place where we know more about him and we can still be humble. Because he's going to make sure he humble us. But that's if we follow the directions, right? Look at the directions. He said, look, what you want me to do? Go into the city. And that's where you're going to get more instruction. Don't ask me any more questions. Just go to the city. If you really want to know, then you'll follow the first step. For some of us, we're still at first steps. 
with some of the things that God has told us to do, we're still at the first step and we were asking God for more. We're asking God, God, I want to be closer. He's like, well, I'm waiting for you to take that first step. He had to finish out his encounter. Come on, give me verse 7. <coughs> Saying, look now, and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. See, this is the thing. See, God trying to shut everybody up. He's trying to shut everybody, because everybody got too much to say. This is what the Lord began to speak. He said, y'all got too much to say. Your opinion holds more weight than mine. You think just because you can make two plus two equal four, that is right, and, and, and now you just see, well, this and this and this, and I just know. Yet, do you really know? Maybe what you saw is what you're supposed to have fixed. Maybe God is calling you deeper into a problem-solving area in his kingdom. But sometimes we just got a lot to say. Talk, 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 talk. Talk, be quiet. We have to be quiet sometimes and just be, just, just. God is speaking, let me be quiet. We do it even in prayer. Well, God, but you know, yeah, he do know. And I'm not saying don't open up to God, but after you done told God that for three years, um, at, at some point, we got to be quiet and say, okay, God, teach me how to do this. See, this is the step that some of us don't ever get to. We stay, at the, we stay stuck at the place of excuse. We don't come to the place of humility that says, I'll release control and you show me. Because we're trying to protect ourselves. But see, an encounter is so violent. See, he about to break past those barriers. Oh, yes, yeah, those walls, those barriers, oh, from the teenagers to the adolescents on up to the adults, all of them. He about to break past all of those barriers, all of those protections you got in place, all of that stuff you got in place. Oh, yeah, he about to break past all of that, all of it. And it's gonna come, you're going to come face to face with him, face to face with the truth, face to face whether you're going to make a decision to follow him or not. Because Paul could have walked away. He still had choice. He could have walked away. But what other choice do you have when you have this type of encounter? Realistically. But what I'm concerned for some of us, for some of us, we're prideful enough to have an encounter like this and still resist change because it's uncomfortable. If we don't get, some of us, if we don't get to a place to where you get used to things being uncomfortable, even the encounter will only take you but so far. Because there's a discipline after the life that you have to live, after God has now revealed, because now there's a responsibility. That you, don't, you can't act like you're confused anymore now. 
You can't act like I don't know anymore now. You can't act like I don't know what to do now. You can't act like, well, I'm too scared now. Now you know God is with you. You know God is saying do this now. Now it's time to do it. So now you have to now bring the life subject to what God wants and not just what I want. See, this is what's violent. You know, we get excited when we hear people, oh, they, you know, saw the Lord and <coughs> saw angels and all this the deeper revelation, the more clear revelation is, the more responsible you are to obey. Meaning, it didn't take a whole lot of faith for, for him to say, this is Jesus. <laughs> it was, Jesus made himself very plain. So he had to just make a choice. Amen. Come on, give me first eight. I'm running behind. So, and Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. And they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. They led him by the hand. See, this is what God says. Some of us have, we've lost the ability to be led. We're the one leading. Come on. If you want to know the truth, I'm not talking about you can look at your own life. See, this is what God been dealing with me about. Just, just. Ask me if you want to know the truth. Don't try to come up with your own judgment of things, what you feel like, how it is. Ask me for the truth. Because I'm not going to lie to you, but you'll lie to yourself. So you'll feel better? Well, I don't really feel like that. Yeah, you're not going to feel like that. More than likely, most of the time, we don't ever feel like what it really is. We don't. We don't want it to be what it really is. So for us to face the truth, we got to ask God. Are you, are you, are you, can God lead you? Can God use people to lead you? See, this is the thing. So the, can, church folks, we synonymous for, I follow God. But God can't use nobody to lead you. He can't use anyone to actually lead you where you need to go. Because we feel like, well, they don't know where they're going either. We got the instructions. We need to take you to, to Damascus, to the place of repentance, to the place where you now mourn all the years that have been wasted where you didn't walk in your purpose, to the place where you now mourn the, that you was walking in the wrong direction in all this time, to the place where you say, you know what, give me the strength of Jonah to make up this time, God. Give me the passion to be able to turn around and really make a difference in your kingdom and not just be a participant or a spectator, I should say, or just a benefactor. I mean, I just benefit from being a citizen. But I don't, I don't, I'm not a participant where I'm making waves for the things that God has called us to do. You, we have to recover. You got to recover. You got to get your passion back. Amen? So look. He said, look. Bring him. Lead him by the hand. Now you're blind. God trying to renew our faith where some things you're not going to see. You're not going to see the way that you need to go. See, this is the thing. This was difficult for us sometimes. We want understanding and we want to see. We want to be able to understand it. And he could, he, you don't, you're not going to always understand it. You're going to have to trust him for real. You're going to have to submit when it doesn't feel good. 
a real encounter begins to take down all the barriers where we say, well, I got this issue and that issue and this is and this is what happened to me and this is what happened in my heart and this is what happened in my childhood and this is what happened, but you met the Lord. Now God has come face to face with you and you know he's with you. What are you going to do? Come on, give me verse 9. So, and he was there three days without sight and neither did eat nor drink. Nobody had to ask him to fast or pray. Because he started praying, he started fasting. He was there three days. Three days. Now, for some of us, we said, well, God, now where you at? You just showed up. Now you're just going to be gone for three days. I'm here in the city. Now, you know, you know I'm struggling to trust you. We will be impatient with the process that God is trying. He sat and waited. For God's process. Three days. And he didn't eat or drink because he was so affected by this encounter. It recovered something even in him. The man that knew a lot. It brought him back to being a child. He didn't know anything. So what could he do? He didn't know where to go. He couldn't see it brought him back. God was breaking him down from the inside out. It brought him back to a place of humility. The man who was just murdering people. The man who was just dragging folks. The man who had the boldness to say, I got the authority and the power and the strength to come and drag folks out of their own house because they, they say they follow Christ. Now this man is incapacitated. He can't see. He got to be helped all day. Come on, give me verse 10. <coughs> you know, there's a place where God is calling us where God, nobody's going to have to ask you to fast. You're just going to fast. You, nobody's going to have to ask you to, to not, you know, <laughs> to, to move forward even though you don't understand. You're just going to move forward. Said there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said, the Lord in the vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here. Come on, we're going to go to verse uh, <clears throat> 17 and 18 so we can kind of pick up, and I can just kind of tell you what happened. Pretty much, God encountered, now we see another encounter. God encountered, Jesus showed up in a vision to Ananias and said, Look, go to my servant Saul and lay your hands on him because he's seen you in a vision and he's been praying. And, and Ananias was upset. He was a little afraid because he said, I know who this guy is. I don't want to go minister to him. But what the God didn't even address it. He said, no, go. He didn't say, oh, fear not. He just said, no, go. <laughs> go, because there are things that I, this is a chosen vessel, and there are many things that he must suffer for me. So go and obey. Why am I bringing this into this? Because sometimes when we talk about encounter or sometimes when we think about encounter, I don't know about you, maybe I, I think about the prophets and the things that they encounter when they, when the call of God, when they encountered God and, and God just revealed themselves and he revealed himself to the prophets and they begin to now, now be commissioned to go and prophesy. Or even the encounter of Jesus with the disciples and the things when he told them, hey, follow me. You know, they encountered Jesus and walked with him for three and a half years, you know. So, you know, I think about these things. But, you know, a lot of times, sometimes we don't want to connect encounters to people. 
but we see God going through the process to, to connect a person to finish out the encounter that God, that, that Paul had with him. See, some things won't be finished until you put yourself in a place to be ministered to for real. Because some of us, we don't want to be ministered to for real. Because we don't want to have to face the fact that we're blind, that I can't see. Are you hungry to be led, counseled? Not just by your counselor. And that's not in an offensive manner because my wife is going to be a counselor and I was a psych major. Amen? But there are things that God puts in people around you in a body that you need. So he began to connect him now to Ananias. And now Ananias can now vouch for him and protect him because now later on in the story, they're trying to kill him. He needed protection. Nobody believed his chains. He needed some covering. So now it said Ananias went his way and entered into the house, putting his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, look at this. He's on board. He didn't say, Saul, hey, you know, how you feeling? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, are you calm? Like, you know, are you saved now? Like, you know, <laughs> he went with the words to Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, and, thou, and, and that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Saying immediately, there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. So look at this. It, it, what God manifested in him was to show him where he really was. This encounter revealed the truth about Saul. He was blind. He couldn't see. So God had to show him this is the truth about where you are. And this is what makes it violent because sometimes the encounter is going to actually, you're going to face certain truths that are going to be very uncomfortable to face. God is going to speak certain things to us and show certain things to us about ourselves that we're not going to want to look at. But God is going to send us help to get through it. Amen? So I just want to encourage you. You're on the road to recovery. An encounter is imminent, meaning it is coming. It is coming. It's already on the way. God sent the word, so we know it's on the way. We already know. God sent the word. When we talked about the camels, we've seen that happen. So we've already been encountering the manifestation of God's word. But now there's a deeper encounter of, of the heart, of the mind, the understanding, the emotions, the soul, the character, where God is going to change and transform us. Amen? Thanks for tuning in, and please make sure to visit us at churchatphila.com for more podcasts and ways to connect with us on social, to like, subscribe, follow, and share content as it comes along. Special thanks to those who give in so many ways to this ministry. We could not do any of this without you. And if you want to give or be a part, visit churchatphila.com forward slash give for more information. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.